Good morning, good morning. And that Ecuador trip, that's going to be June 20th or the 29th. Uh, if you're wanting to go, uh, deposit is going to be um, March 20th, so that's here in about three weeks. Um, if you're wanting to go, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, not me talking you into it, um, talk to me, and we'll start working on that. I'm excited for what God will do in that trip. Also excited what God is going to do here today in our midst. Um, this is a church service. Um, church services are sacred, not because of the building, not because of the lights, not because of my microphone right now, but because the people of God come together to worship God. Right Throughout the week, we've been separated, been doing our thing, following Jesus, being in a broken world to be the light of Christ, and then we come back together as often as we can to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to take communion, and to hear the word of God. We believe these are equipping services, so we're going to talk about things that affect Jesus' followers. If you're not a Jesus follower, like you're sold out to Jesus, you're welcome here. You might have a lot of questions. We're going to talk about Jesus things. There might, might even be some Christianese in there, right? And it's because we, we believe this is a time to equip God's people to come together because there is work to be done. Amen? The two, last two years, would it remind us, and has it reminded us, and I hope the answer is yes, that we live in a broken world? You've been reminded of that? Right? Sometimes in the West, we live life so well, we can forget that we're still part of a broke. People die. People get sick. People get hurt. But we are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. We know the gospel, right? It's the good news. We're going to talk about that. But we're also the hands and feet of Jesus Christ physically. So it's not time to go hide in caves. It's time the church to be raised up. And what is beautiful about these darker times is that God is on the move. And hopefully you've seen that. I really believe that some of us need to be reminded today that God's word will not come back void. Right? What you're going through, good and bad, right? there's some fruit. Just hold on to Jesus. There's some fruit coming. Right? That's, that's God's promises. There's nothing that I have done before that isn't hard that, turn, that doesn't turn out being good in the end. Right? I love backpacking. Right? And every backpacking trip, it is usually good if it was also terrible. And I'm, you know, on going on these mountains, and I'm sitting like, why do I do this? That's kind of like our faith with Jesus Christ sometimes. Weird analogies, especially if you don't like backpacking. But God is on the move. Hold on. It's called faith. And watch what God will do. This morning, we're going to be in Matthew 9. And we're going to be in verses 27 through 34. The first section we're going to look at is Matthew 9, 27 to 31. There's going to be two different healings we're going to look at. And we're going to let the Holy Spirit just speak to us through the word of God. Matthew 9, verse 27. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, will it be done to you? And their sight was restored. And Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. We're going to stop right there. Pray with me. 
Father God, we come to your throne by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, which gives us access to you that we can actually sit at our Father's feet, the creator of this world and universe. For you are good, you are holy, and you are righteous. Speak to this church body that we may be equipped and encouraged for all the days ahead. You will never leave us, you'll never forsake us, and you have good things for us. Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. So the first section that we want to look at is this, the son of David. The son of David and why this is so important, why we want to just like camp right here. Like this is the, so Jesus is performing these miracles. The Beatitudes where you get these, these pillar teachings from Jesus. And then you start to see these miracles. The gospel of Matthew, Matthew is setting up proof of who Jesus is. And if you're the reader, right, the, the first readers of this would have been people, people of the ancient world, and they were primarily of the Jewish faith. Then, because of Paul's ministry, the Gentiles. And so they knew everything about the Messiah. Everything was about the Messiah from the Old Testament. And they're waiting, and they're waiting, when will the Messiah come? When will the Messiah come? If you understand history, they're in bondage to the Roman Empire. So they're really like, when will the Messiah come? When will the Messiah come? It's what we also do. Jesus, when will you come back? When will you come back? Right? This is an important thing. Well, in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew is setting up all the evidence that you would need. And right here, this is an important part where you would just be like, son of David. These two blind men cry out, son of David, son of David, have mercy on us. And this is the first time we see it. And you're supposed to stop there and go, what's happening? Right? The Messiah, everything we do is about the Messiah. And these two blind men can see Jesus for who he is better than most of the crowd. This term, son of David, means they understand he's the Messiah. Why? Because Jesus is fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. And what's even like amazing about it is this gospel is being sent out to different people. There are people alive that would say, yeah, I saw Jesus do that. I saw Jesus do that. Like there's living people that are like, no, it's true. And that by the power of their testimony, they're being persecuted. If they were to stand up and say, yes, I saw Jesus do these things. I saw him die on the cross and I saw him resurrected. And I've seen the power of the Holy Spirit. As they say these things, the Roman Empire is also persecuting them and killing them for it. Talk about the power of a testimony through difficult times. And it really is what sets up the church that we have now. Why do we have the, the church now? Because God's plan of what the church would become in the beginning and what it is now and what it will become as Jesus comes back. Right? God always uses the most difficult times. These guys see, even though they're blind, and they're like, son of David. And why? Because Jesus is fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. This Old Testament prophecy, one of those is 1 Chronicles 17, verses 11 through 12. When your days are over and you go to be with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. So this was to King David. 
And everyone knew the Messiah would come from the house of David. And at this time, the relatives of King David are massive. There was a time when some thought, well, he must be talking about Solomon. Solomon built a temple. Solomon was a son of David. But his kingdom didn't last forever. In this part of the Gospel of Matthew, these two blind men are the first to see and first to proclaim. Like it was a dangerous thing to proclaim what they did. But they do it and they yell it out. Every prophecy in the Old Testament is about Jesus. It's important. Sometimes God allows us to be blind so we can see with our hearts. They say that seeing is believing, but that's not always true. Like we understand if we live by faith. Right? Sometimes, and we'll talk about faith later on in this teaching, faith starts out at a mustard seed of testimonies that we've heard or that we've read. And then as we experience God, we see the fruit of what he does. Even John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, who has an amazing ministry, but he finds himself in prison and about ready to die, and he sends word to Jesus, are you the one, the Messiah, the one that I've been telling people about because I'm in prison? And Jesus actually quotes Isaiah 35, verses 4 through 5, which says this, Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. So Jesus tells them, the blind are seeing. And the deaf can hear. I am the one. But John the Baptist was kind of tripped up. Why? Because he's like, they were really confused on how they looked at Scripture. Because as they looked at the Messiah and the one is the come, and they're looking at this verse in Isaiah, they're thinking, we are in bondage in Rome. And what he's going to do is he's going to come and take over the Romans. And then we can be back on top of the food chain again, like we did in the time of David. So when Jesus is coming in all his humility and all of his grace, but yet in all of his power, he rides on a donkey, all these things. He doesn't hang out with the religious people. The religious people don't like him. He has much to say about them as well. So they read this verse differently, and sometimes we do too. The vengeance is the cross. Like Jesus was coming, right? And his time had not yet been set up that he would die on the cross. Right now he's giving proof that he's the Messiah. God always gives proof. But the vengeance that you see in Isaiah 35, it's God is a God of vengeance and justice. But the price was paid on the cross, which is why it is the good news. Right now Jesus is fulfilling the healings and the power that the Messiah must do because God always keeps his word. And the second coming, he will make all things right. This is also why it's important that we are his hands and feet. We spread the gospel as believers, but we're also his hands and feet, which is why we care about justice. Now, when we talk about justice, it must also first go through the gospel. 
So if I care about people getting water and getting food and getting clothes, which we should, but if I don't care about their soul, then I don't know if I truly am looking at Scripture correctly. It must go through that first. Love God, love people. And what the world does, because Satan knows what he's doing, get them to love people, and maybe they won't love God. It's important we know who Jesus is. And many at this point are missing who he is. But these two blind men are getting it. Son of David, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus asked Peter and his disciples, and we'll get this into this later on in Matthew, but he asked them, who do people say that I am? And in Luke 9, 18 through 20, it says this, when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God, which is the Messiah. See, even his own disciples, they were like, they weren't exactly sure who he was. They were following him because of his power and because of his kindness and his goodness. And Jesus is slowly revealing to his people who he is. And he's doing that because, again, that God has a timeline of fulfilling Scripture, but also because their hearts want him to be something who he isn't. He is better than what they can imagine or what they understand. And it's important for us as believers, New Testament Christians, in this time, I think something that the Western church has done a bad job of in our human zeal, we want people to say they love God and that they want God when they haven't experienced his cross, when they haven't experienced the Holy Spirit, when they do not see him as God. And we just have them go through the motions because we don't truly always believe in the power of the cross. So sometimes we can miss our mission. We can miss what we're called to do because we miss the power of the Holy Spirit. It's important that we ask, and I'm finding as a pastor, what I think is hard is actually good. And what I think is frustrating as a pastor is actually good for the church. The church, including with Emmaus, looks different than it did two years ago. And this is a good thing because too many have sit on the sidelines saying they believe in God just because they live in Springfield, saying they believe in God just because their parents did, when they need to know who he is. Who is Jesus to you? For he has many names of his characteristic. Comfort. Is he your comforter? When Jesus holds you and he comforts you, you realize why in the Old Testament that was one of his names, that he is holy. That he's daddy, Abba, father. Right? Because of what Jesus did on the cross, I can sit at the feet of my father, my holy father, my creator. He's my savior, my friend, my provider. And as you go through things in life and you follow with Jesus and life gets tough, just like everything the Bible says it will, you also get to see how good God is. 
So as a believer, his word will not come back void in you. Embrace what God is doing, and you will find him to be in all of those names. Who is Jesus to you? And they come to him, son of David, son of David. And what do they say? Have mercy on us. This is the accurate response we should have to a holy God. And in the West, we struggle with that. In the West, in the Western world, the United States, where we are so blessed, and we want people to be saved left and right, which is good, but do we believe in the power of the cross? Because I think sometimes what we would do is say, yeah, yeah, son of David, but, but no, he doesn't need to have mercy on you. He doesn't need to have mercy on you. Do we understand that? No, 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 no. You don't, you don't need to come before a righteous God. He already loves you. Just, yes, he loves you just the way you are, that he died on a cross so that you could be redeemed. It's for you as well as it is for that guy that's on death row. If he can save the guy or woman on death row, then he can save me too. There's nothing more supernatural than the cross. They come to him understanding, son of David, have mercy on us. You cannot believe Jesus is all that he said he is, and yet give utter disregard to the commands he gave. Yes, he is kind, gentle, gracious, and loving beyond anything we can understand. Yet not once did he okay a sinful lifestyle. Scripture puts him as the lion and the lamb. And it's something all of us struggle with. I embrace the lamb, but the lion is good too. Would we wrestle with that and come before a holy God? And it all comes through faith. Some say seeing is believing. You ever heard that before? Seeing is believing. Well, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, that's not how faith works out. We're called to live by faith. Martin Luther said this, faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace. So sure and certain that a man could stake his life on it a thousand times. We still live in God's grace right now, don't we? Live in a broken world and we're broken people. God's grace never runs out on us. Some today have decided to believe a lie that Scripture doesn't speak for with God's people. Some, of, some think this, your life will always be this way. Good things just don't happen to you. Maybe some of us believe that. You can never be forgiven. You'll always struggle with this or that. We're just paying for our sin. Or maybe it's the flip side. Sin isn't that bad. I deserve this. It's not that big a deal. It's just a phase. We like to paint a picture of God as this teddy bear grandpa who lets us do whatever we want. Or this cruel, abusive father who's out to get us, and both are wrong. But when you come to Jesus through the word of God, and then the spirit of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you begin to see that he is good, but you also see he doesn't mess around on what he says is right and what is wrong. 
in that, we have to also have faith in the Holy Spirit to work in my life and the lives of all believers. Bring them to the cross. I don't have to work out every sin that someone struggles. I don't have to name my list today. Right? So there are times when we will mention certain things right, that this assembly has to, has to deal with. And one of the things that we try to do is speak on the things that we're struggling with rather than preaching in the choir and speak about things that we don't struggle with. Right? When we talk about things that we don't struggle with, we get a lot of amens. But when we talk about things that we struggle with, we get a lot of ouch. Right? But that same Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. And so sometimes we have to walk in faith with our brothers and sisters in Christ. They might be doing something that you're like, this isn't what a Christ follower does. And there are times that you need to speak up. But there are times you're, you are to be silent and pray. Holy Spirit, convict them like you did me. And he is better at that than we are, right? Faith. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hebrews 11.6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Oh, son of David, he has come for his bride. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son so that we would have life and have it abundantly. But we must come to the cross first. And he must have mercy on us first. And when he does, there's an invitation to something that is priceless. Which is why in the ancient world, who truly understood right and wrong, this was good news. And will it be good news for us today? Sometimes we need to go through some junk in this broken world to realize that we need the light of Jesus. Amen. So the second thing we want to look at is the spiritually blind. So he's... These two blind men come that cannot see. Son of David, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. And Jesus heals them. And now we get to see Matthew 9, 32 to 34. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisee said, it's by the prince of demon that he drives out the demons. So again, Jesus heals someone from demonic oppression. Living in a falling world, there are all sorts of things why stuff happens. Why gray hair is coming. Right? I had a beard that I was trying to grow, but the problem is that it looked like I just had a big goatee because the rest of it's gray. Right? Thank you, Adam. Right? It's just part of a broken world. Some things happen because it's part of a broken world. This thing happened here because of a demon. And Scripture talks about it left and right. Yes, some people have mental health. It's a broken world. Some people have broken bones, a broken heart, just a broken world. But some of it is demonic. Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Do we believe that? And when we do as a believer, we will fight our enemy differently. That's why prayer is so important. 
Too many times as believers, we don't believe the word of God. Coming to Jesus as a child, not raised in a Christian home. When, when Jesus ascends into heaven, he says, I'm bringing out the Holy Spirit to convict the world and, and men of sin. He was serious about that. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit goes in places that, that we cannot. And he goes before us preparing the gospel to be present. And as I grew up in a non-Christian home, we didn't go to church. We had one Bible. It's a big family Bible. But the Holy Spirit can make his way into every home. And the Holy Spirit started to speak to me. My first encounter with spiritual warfare was at like five or six years old when I started having these crazy vivid dreams where I was awake. And when it first happened, like the first time, and I can still remember it to this day, I am awake, and I'm fighting these things, and I'm over my twin brother. We shared a room. He was in one bed. I was in the other, and I'm over the top of him physically fighting these things, and he is dead asleep, and I remember my dad came in with a loaded 44 and a flashlight. It was the 80s, and I guess that's what dads did. Because they didn't know what was going on. The little boy was just freaking out. And so they, like, they take me into their bedroom, and I sleep on the floor next to them there in their bed. And they were like, all night I was just still like I'd kind of get up. And my mom, I remember, this was like when I was five or six years old. And I remember when I was 18 years old, I was at this revival where actually people that, like, like could send letters to you and different stuff. And one of the things that my mom put is like, I don't know what happened to you that day, but it was different. You changed. You started reading your Bible. You looked at things differently. What happened for me is I had this encounter of spiritual warfare that made me know there was a God. And then the spirit that compelled me as soon as I could read to start to read the Bible. And as the Holy Spirit started to convict me of things, I'd be like, huh, I wonder if this is true. And I would find it in the Bible before I ever went to church. We must let the Holy Spirit speak. Why? Because it is how God works. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But also why must the Holy Spirit speak? Because the enemy speaks too. Why should we be prayer and interceding? Because the enemy does and these are the tools that God has said. My people, when they believe in the word of God and the spirit of God, they will do these things. We like to see things as coincidence too many times. How many people would be honest to say that prayer is boring? Raise your hand. It, seriously, if you've done it enough, it's like so boring. I'm just being honest. I, even as a pastor, I'd be like, can you pray for him? I'm like, oh, again? Okay. I'll make a t-shirt. I don't like to pray for you, Pastor Ron. <laughs> but I can see that just as, and sometimes it's just my flesh. But could it be other things? Right? Right? Other things. And so that's why I pray when I don't want to because I know the flesh is weak, but I also know the enemy is relentless. Right? We have to believe in spiritual warfare. Our modern society forfeits the reality of God by de denying the reality of the unseen, unseen things around us. We try to explain everything away. And even today, this is not the first time that Jesus has healed someone of demonic oppression. 
And we read it and go, well, that's just ancient times. There's too many things that aren't a coincidence. It's spiritual warfare. Wake up to it and fight it the way Jesus has commanded us to. So we see that Jesus, he healed a woman of bleeding for 12 years, resurrected a child, heals two blind men, and now he heals someone of, of a demon possession. Moses did stuff. Elijah did stuff, but nothing like this has happened all in the matter of time it had. So when they're saying, like, whoa, we're so amazed, nothing, nothing like this has ever happened, Jesus had healed people of demons before. Demon, like, Moses did stuff, Elijah, but in this matter of time, in this sequence that we have the last three weeks, these people are watching, they're going, well, he just keeps blowing our mind. And then you see in this, again, religious leaders are offended by the works of, of God. Man, religion is rampant in this town. Speak about it often. I love Springfield. It might seem like I don't sometimes. I do. I'm called here. Again, I've told this story a million times, but 20-something years ago when I came to school at Evangel University, I remember a pastor saying, I will never pastor a church in Springfield, Missouri. Because he's like, it's so religious. And little did he know, he'd be talking to someone who would be called to that. And religion can just seep in. And we can't let it. To know who God is, to walk, and to fight the way he's called us to fight. And again, we see here, we see two blind men that see better than seeing men see. And if you don't believe in spiritual warfare or hardened hearts, then maybe today you can wake up to those things. Religion is a bad thing when it's not walking in Jesus. John 6, 26, and this is, comes to a question of why do you follow Jesus? Jesus said, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me not because you saw miracles, miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. In a religious world, sometimes that's what we do. That's what we do. Sometimes in a religious world where our parents are Christians, so we're Christians. Sometimes in a religious world, you're like, well, you know, it seems like they've got some favor, so maybe I can have some too. We're just a part of the group rather than knowing the King of kings and Lord of lords. We can look at the Sadducees and Pharisees, the religious leaders of Christ's time, and go, what fools. They had the word of God, and they didn't know the one who wrote it. And cannot that be Springfield, Missouri? Right? And it's sad. But we don't have to stay there. So ask yourself, why do you follow Jesus? Is it because he does the stuff that you want him to do? Or is it just this teddy bear grandpa that just, just loves you and, and like but in an unhealthy way? Like it's just whatever like he takes you to the candy store and just says, get all the right? Grandpa's you're really good at that. That's not our God. It's that have mercy on us, son of David, that takes us to a place to our loving Father who's still righteous and holy. And these religious leaders don't get it. So God, we say today, open the eyes of our heart. Ephesians 1.18, I pray also that the eyes of my heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. 
there's this hardening of heart that religion can, when we just go through the motions. When we cry out to a holy God, but we don't truly believe in his holiness. Like that word believe in the Bible is important. And again, the early church believed so much because they had had an encounter with God that they're like, kill me because I'm not going to deny what I've seen. Talk about, talk about an invitation. And scripture says, blessed or more us because we didn't see him physically, but by the spirit of God and the word, word of God and the testimony of his people, we say, yes, Lord. Charles Spurgeon said this. A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. And what he's saying by that is like, and, I, and this is a good thing that people will come to me and say, man, I'm just having a hard time reading my Bible. Well, yeah, there's, you know, there's a reason why we read it together. Okay? And multiple people throughout the years will come to me. And they'll come to um, Pastor Michael. And they'll come to our staff. And they'll go to house church leaders. And again, there, there's some spiritual warfare going on in there. Right? There's some illumination of the Holy Spirit that we need. Like, God, open up the scriptures to us. Like the walk to Emmaus. When God started speaking to them, it just, like, opened up their hearts and mind. We need more of that. But may you continue to read the word of God and be enlightened but also perplexed at the same time. Right? It's this beautiful thing. And the, the darker the times are, the more that we're in the word of God. When a hardened heart only reads certain verses, when a hardened heart stops reading the word of God, and it's not by accident that those things happen. Hebrews 3.8 says, Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of the testing in the desert. God is, it's never that God is not moving. He's always moving. He's always loving. He's always righteous. But as God is leading us along this path for his glory and our benefit, sometimes our hearts get hardened. So we pray, God, change the eyes of my heart. Be careful with not reading the Bible. Be careful with not loving the church. Be careful with statements like, God told me. Be careful with that statement. God's, God does speak to us. I want to make that clear. Right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will speak to you as a believer. He, speak to, he spoke to me as a non-believer, so he's really going to speak to you as a believer. But be careful with that. Why? Because the Pharisees thought they were hearing from God, and they were not. Jesus even told the blind men, like, don't go tell anybody. And they thought, well, this is good news. I'm going to tell everybody. Right? And you look at that, and you go, well, it wasn't that bad. And, and I sometimes still think that. But they still disobeyed God. Crazy how right someone will look for you when you're attracted to them. That's for married and single people. God told me. Well, if they weren't that attractive, would God told you? Right? Right? It's crazy how we can lie to ourselves. Or how unholy someone looks when they've offended you. Oh, how we like, oh, well, they just, you know, I'm offended, so they just don't love Jesus. Or how untouchable someone looks when they sin differently than you do. Right? The church, we're really guilty of that sometimes. Hardened hearts towards people that need God. And it's just they sin differently than us. And then we like to lie to ourselves. like, well, we're not as bad as them, God. Like, we have our limits. Right? 
which was so dangerous because we stopped loving the ones that God came for the sick. And then we start looking at our stuff and go, not that bad, not that dangerous. Or that sin doesn't look so dangerous when the person you love sins in that way. A hardening of heart can come in different ways. A bleeding heart can be a hardened heart. It just looks different. So today we go for holy God and say, Lord, we're not going to mock the Pharisees and Sadducees, but we are going to pray, oh, son of David, have mercy on us and soften our hearts that we would stop seeing things from a religious point of view. And as we close this question, how do you know when your heart is hardened? I don't have the, like, complete list. Right? I, I would, you know, ask the Holy Spirit. Talk to your spouse. They probably know your best friends in your inner circle. Give them permission to speak to you. But I will give a list of some things I think are, are just, give me some red flags. Do you love God? Like, do you love God? There are times as a pastor, I'm like, I don't know if I really love God right now. Going through a hard time, going through a weird time, you know, and they're just like, Lord, I want, th- I want this, like, this heart to beat for you. Right? It's like in a marriage, like you go, you go, you go on a date, you, you go on a getaway because you're like, man, we need to like rekindle this flame. It's the same thing when I walk with God. And we need to be honest, like, you know what? I don't know how much I love God right now. Do you love people? The two greatest commandments, to love God and love people. And as people of God, when we don't love people, whether they're Democrat, whether they're Republicans, no matter what, color, race they're from, gender, their point of view. We're to love them by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we stop loving sinners, then we're not the church that God has called. Do you love people? Do you believe in the Bible? The Word of God. I sometimes miss that little boy as the Holy Spirit was speaking, and the word of God is like, I just couldn't put down. I'm like, oh, my word. The Lord's convicting me of this, and I'm seeing it here, and I'm seeing it here. Like, do you love and believe in the Bible? Do you love the church? I, the church frustrates me, right? Big C church, but I love her because God does. Do you look at the world with hope or despair? I see a lot of believers right now, their hearts are getting hardened, and it's just gloom and despair. I'm like, have you read the good news? Right? And it's good to be honest. Like, I'm just feeling this. Pray for me. Is Apostle Paul, like three-quarters of the New Testament, written from prison? And, he, and again, we're, we're in good company. The early church struggled, too. Like, Apostle Paul's like, hey, cheer up. That's a joy. Right? If God can move in a man that's in chains, then he can move in your life as you're free. Do you run from sin or kind of stand still or slowly walk away? can be a hardened heart, right? When, when I, you can kind of look at it a flip way when no longer do I believe in the dangers of sin. And some Christians get that way. We get like such a believing heart, loving heart that we forget sin is real. And it brings death to people, right? That can be a hardening of hearts too. A couple questions as we close today. Because we just want to spend time with God as a church. Number one, who is Jesus to you? Is he Lord? Is he King? Is he Savior? God keeps revealing himself the more that you grow and walk with him. Right? You understand his comfort, his provision, that he'll never, you know, your, your, your faith will be tested and you realize how good and how faithful he is. 
But it first has to start, is he Lord? Is he king? Right? It's something that I pray for my children for, that my kids who are raised in a Christian home with two godly parents, my biggest fear, and I've said this before, is sometimes like I don't want them to have that umbrella faith. Well, mom and dad are good, so and they love Jesus, so I guess we do. I want them to know God. And it's something that my wife and I are always, I always want them to know. And sometimes you just have to get out of the way and let them know him. So they can, so when they get to this point of who is Jesus to you, they can say he's king and he is Lord. And everything he says, even when it's difficult, is good and holy and righteous. And maybe today you just need to like, when you answer that question, who is Jesus to you? Maybe like some will say, I don't know. Maybe some will say, man, I don't, I don't know if I see him as king right now. I know that's in my mind, my heart, but the actions aren't. Some might even be as honest to say, man, I don't know. And that's okay. You've come to the right place for questions, for prayer, for seeking. Number two, are you struggling with spiritual blindness? And that's a really funny question because you don't know if you are most of the time. Like, oh, I had no idea. Right? That's why I call it a blind spot. You need help with a blind spot. Your spouse, your friend. Like, if you're following with Jesus, like, this is a mandate for all of us. I would be walking with other people, right? There's sometimes my wife, she's like, like, she's like, honey, like, you're really not okay in this area. Or, you know, Pastor Clint, but now Pastor Michael can say, hey, dude, you're, you're off on that, right? Our staff, people in our house church, like, you probably need help, right? Sometimes the proof can be in the pudding. Like, if you, if you don't love the church, you don't love the word of God, you don't like people, like churches that don't like people, it's kind of scary, right? That can be a good sign, but also people in your life that say, hey, man, I think you're not seeing things clearly. And then lastly, are you asking the Lord to open your eyes? And this is something that we as the church, that we come together, it's why we come together. The Word of God, the people of God, and the Spirit of God. Because, man, to live life any other way, we're not obeying the scriptures. We're not obeying or seeing reality for what it is. It is a tough world out there. And we need the Holy Spirit. And guess what? It's God's great pleasure to just pour it out. To pour it out. But we got to ask for it. God, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. God, open the eyes of our hearts. So that we wouldn't be blind. If you guys can stand, we're going to close in prayer. We're just going to seek Jesus. In the back of the offering plates, if you want to worship that way, in the back there's communion as we take the elements of the body of Christ and the blood of Jesus. And there are also people that would love, they'll have a, they'll have a badge that says prayer team on it. They, they come here today and like, I just want to pray for people. You need those people in your life that just, man, I just want to lay hands on the name of Jesus and see people set free. Father, Lord God, we love you and we praise you. God, your promises are true and forever. You are not far away, you are close according to the scriptures. We cannot outrun your love your goodness. Father, we come to you today as Lord and Savior. 
Yes, we'll still have questions. Yes, we'll still have doubt. And yes, we'll still have sin. But we trust you to take away what needs to be taken away. So our prayer is that we would come to you as God, as King, and as Daddy. And Father, our spiritual blindness, Holy Spirit, make us aware of the places that we are blind. Make us aware of the places where our hearts have been hardened by this world. But your plan is that we would come together and be prayed for, that we'd be loved on, that our hearts would be softened. Would we never forget the power of the cross? And not just for us and the people we love, but for all who have been lost. They can be found. It doesn't matter who it is. They can be found. Would we be in awe of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ today? And the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. We don't have to walk around with hardened hearts and blind eyes. We can see because your Holy Spirit is with us and you are good. Holy Spirit, pour out on your people today. In Jesus' name.